Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today we've got a crazy nuclear revenge story against the mayor of the town. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, my revenge on the woman that ruined my brother's life forever. My name is Sarah, a fierce and unwavering guardian of my younger brother, John. Our bond is unbreakable. We've always been that way, and it was born from shared laughter, scraped knees, and countless childhood adventures. Most times, people thought he was the older one because I was smaller in stature. John's smile has always been my North Star, guiding me through life's complexities and uncertainties. We were fine the way we were. But I guess it's at that point when you think life is going so smoothly and it couldn't get better than it was that it actually gets bad. I don't know if you get what I mean. Our lives took an irrevocable turn on one fateful day. John, the embodiment of youthful vitality, was wheeled into an operating room for what should have been a routine medical procedure. Hope and optimism filled the waiting room as our family clung to the belief that he would soon return to us, whole and healthy. But fate had a different plan one that plunged us into a heart-wrenching nightmare. The procedure, intended to restore John's quality of life, became a catastrophic tragedy. Dr. Rachel Lawson, a name now etched into the darkest corners of our lives, made a grievous error, an error for which there could be no forgiveness. The aftermath was devastating. John, once vibrant and full of life, was now trapped in a world of unrelenting pain and irreparable loss. Our close-knit family became shrouded in grief, anger, and despair, and the bond that held us together, John and me, felt like a fragile thread, keeping us from plummeting into an abyss of hopelessness. The sterile white walls of the hospital room seemed to close in on me as I gazed at my brother, John, lying on the bed. His once lively eyes were now dull, his face etched with pain. Tubes and wires were connecting him to machines that emitted a symphony of beeps and whirs a dissonant soundtrack to our once hopeful lives. My heart ached as I watched him, unable to bear the agony that consumed him. The medical procedure that was meant to restore his quality of life had instead become a cruel torment, a nightmare from which there was no awakening. Every glance, every touch was a painful reminder of what he had lost, and I couldn't help but feel devastated by his suffering. But amidst the overwhelming despair, a fire ignited within me, a determination to find justice for John to hold accountable the person responsible for this egregious error. Dr. Rachel Lawson's actions had shattered our family and robbed my brother of his future, and I vowed that she would not escape the consequences of her negligence. It was the right thing to do. There was no way that she should be able to move on like nothing happened, like it was just another patient or victim without a name, a John Doe. In what world is that right? Well, up the top of my head, none. The moment I stepped onto the path of seeking justice for my brother John, I became consumed by an unquenchable determination. I would hold Dr. Rachel Lawson accountable for the suffering she had needlessly inflicted upon our family. So, I began to go through with it. Relentlessly, I pursued legal action against Dr. Lawson, 
seeking answers and retribution. It was a battle fraught with hurdles from the very beginning. Lawyers cautioned us about the complexities of the healthcare system, the formidable protections surrounding medical professionals, and the daunting task of proving negligence beyond a shadow of a doubt. As we delved deeper into the legal battle, challenges seemed to multiply like Hydra's heads. Medical records mysteriously vanished or appeared heavily redacted, obscuring critical evidence. Witnesses who had initially promised to testify suddenly withdrew their support, leaving us feeling isolated and betrayed. I was livid, because in what world does that feel right? Where was the sense of justice? There was no apology other than a flat tone. We did everything medically possible to get the best possible outcome. It really seemed unfair. It became increasingly evident that the system was rigged to safeguard those responsible for my brother's agony. Frustration weighed heavy on our shoulders, and doubt crept into our resolve. Our family's resources were stretched to the breaking point, drained by legal fees and the mounting costs of John's ongoing medical care. I knew that there was no way the result of the case would turn out in our favor. I could read the room in the situation of things. We lost the case the moment we made our case, and that was far from fair because I thought the law was supposed to see justice for all parties. Yet, I refused to falter. John's pain, etched on his face, was a constant reminder of the injustice we endured. The legal battle might have felt like a Sisyphean struggle, but I was undeterred. I knew I couldn't let the system's flaws and biases defeat our pursuit of justice. So for John, and for countless others who had suffered due to the negligence of healthcare providers, I pressed on. Dr. Rachel Lawson might have believed she could evade accountability, but she had profoundly underestimated the relentless determination of a sister seeking retribution for her brother's stolen future. My pursuit of justice for John had hit an insurmountable wall, but my determination was unwavering. I knew that for our family and the countless others who had suffered at the hands of negligence, we couldn't afford to back down. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It was during one of the darkest moments of our legal battle that a glimmer of hope emerged. And I like to say that it was really all thanks to the social world we are today. This is why when making people debate whether the technological advancement we've seen in the world today is to our advantage or impending disadvantage, I give that a sneer because I understand that if not for the interconnected web of life that we've received, there is no way I would have been able to get the truth I found out about Dr. Lawson. I delved into the depths of Dr. Lawson's history, 
determined to uncover any hidden errors or past mistakes. To be honest, in the first hours that turned into days and weeks, I found nothing. I kept checking regardless because I was sure that even those who seemed like the world's greatest saints usually have one or two bones in their wardrobe. I was bent on finding the skeletal bones in the doctor's closet. After a while, I meticulously combed through records and uncovered a trove of shocking information. Dr. Rachel Lawson had a trail of medical errors and malpractice claims carefully concealed and swept under the rug. It was a pattern of negligence that had gone unnoticed, each case shrouded in secrecy, and each victim silenced by the system. But that was not really what got my attention. The part that got me startled was the fact that no one had tried to actually get their revenge on her, meaning she was yet to be held accountable for any of the things she had done. I became livid, not just pissed. The anger that surged within me was white hot, its intensity burning away any doubt or hesitation. I was not just fighting for John, I was fighting for every life that had been forever altered by Dr. Lawson's actions. It was a realization that steeled my resolve and ignited a fiery determination to take matters into my own hands. Her apparent impunity had come to an end, and her history of negligence needed to be laid bare for all to see. It was a path I would not anticipated, but one I was more than willing to walk to its bitter end, for John, for our family, and for all the lives forever marked by her negligence. I mean, how could she still be allowed to practice? In what sane country would she still be with her license? Something had to be done, and I did it. The revelation of Dr. Rachel Lawson's hidden errors and past mistakes fueled the unrelenting fire burning within me. I was determined to execute my revenge, a calculated plan that would target not only her professional reputation, but also her personal life. In retrospect, I think I might have gone too far in my plan, but at that point I didn't care. I started by reaching out to individuals who had been victims of Dr. Lawson's negligence, forming a coalition of voices that could no longer be silenced. And I can tell you that that was not easy. It wasn't easy to get these people to go over their hurt once again. It wasn't easy to make them remember the pain they had to go through because of a simple action that could have been avoided. But after hearing my story, and that there were others like them, they were all compelled to walk the walk of revenge with me. Through relentless advocacy, we garnered media attention, and the public began to take notice of the staggering number of lives touched by Dr. Lawson's negligence. Her professional reputation crumbled under the weight of undeniable evidence, as patient after patient came forward to share their harrowing experiences. We took a protest to the front of the hospital where she practiced, the hospital where she'd been the doctor in charge of my brother. This got us in front of the world where the justice system could not. Simultaneously, I delved into Dr. Lawson's personal life, unearthing details that would expose her true character. The revelations about her unethical practices and her personal choices were carefully crafted to provide a glimpse into the moral void she had become. As the storm of public outrage gathered, the consequences for Dr. Lawson were swift and severe. Inundated by mounting evidence and public pressure, the medical board revoked her medical license, forever ending her career. Her name, once synonymous with trust and competence, had become a symbol of betrayal. In her personal life, Dr. Lawson faced social isolation and a relentless media spotlight that left her reputation in tatters. 
The thing is, in the medical profession, once one of your cases is found wanting, it brings suspicion on all of your other endeavors in the field. Because of this, she has basically choked off cases needing medical attention. No one wanted to ask for her opinion on cases or even offer her to be an assisting doctor on their case. I can imagine that would have been tough, but hey, the consequences of her actions weighed heavily on her, just as they had on us when she'd been the perpetrator of our suffering. The revenge I'd sought had come to fruition, and it was Dr. Rachel Lawson who now faced the consequences of her actions. It was a bitter victory, marred by the suffering she had caused, but it was a testament to the power of relentless determination and the pursuit of justice. But as the world celebrated her downfall, I couldn't escape the whirlwind of emotions that had enveloped me. Satisfaction mingled with guilt, and an undeniable emptiness lingered in the shadows of my mind. The satisfaction was born from the knowledge that justice had been served. Dr. Larson could no longer harm others through negligence, and her reign of error was at an end. It was a small but significant victory, a testament to the power of relentless determination and the pursuit of justice. Yet guilt gnawed at me. It was a remorseful recognition that revenge, no matter how justified, had come at a cost. The satisfaction I felt was tinged with a heavy awareness of the pain and suffering we had caused, the weight of knowing that we'd become instruments of another's downfall. And then there was the emptiness, a void that seemed to grow with each passing day. Our quest for revenge had been all-consuming, and now that it was over, I couldn't help but feel adrift, as if the purpose that had fueled me for so long had vanished. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market behind a quiet void and that void came with a reminder that even after everything the revenge i had on her was never what i wanted it did not eventually bring my brother back into perfect health in the end i would still look at him in that wheelchair upset to tears at what negligence had caused him i mean i can't say this like i've truly experienced it myself but there definitely are circumstances i can imagine where you get the revenge you thought you wanted. Whatever person you're going against, they get punished or they get hurt the way they hurt others. And a lot of times you find out it didn't automatically make anything better. I mean, you got that revenge, but you still have to cope with that original source of inspiration. That said, our next story is, I got revenge against the mayor of my town for messing with my son. I had my son when I was 19, and no, it wasn't a mistake. I deliberately got pregnant by my ex-boyfriend. Here's a little background story. My boyfriend and I met in middle school. He was the cutest boy ever and was very sweet to me. Unlike the boys in my school, he was mature and down to earth and he didn't express his interest in me by pulling on my ponytail and running away. He instead gave me roses from the bouquet his dad got his mom, picked my stuff up off the floor for me and offered to tutor me. When we were in high school, we got really close and started to date. 
albeit secretly. The problem was, while his parents were free thinkers, and they weren't just free thinkers but were popular ones who had created a name for themselves out of bashing religion and warning people of it, my parents are very religious people. My parents are Baptists and my dad was a deacon. When we started dating in high school, we chose to keep our relationship a secret. It was a small town and our parents already didn't like each other. Somehow, word got out about us and I got into trouble with my parents. His parents liked me, or maybe they didn't and just wanted to demonstrate that despite not being free thinkers, they were more decent people, and even invited me to dinner which I never went to because my parents didn't even let me. In my senior year in high school, it got to a point where I became so mad at everyone in my family, my controlling older sister and my parents were suffocating me. I was in my senior year already and had to hide my relationship from everyone especially my family and anyone who might know them. I couldn't go on dates like all the other girls, nor could I attend school functions with my boyfriend as my date. Shortly after we graduated from high school, my boyfriend and I decided to have a child together. Of course, in hindsight, that was a stupid decision, but at the time it made sense to me and my boyfriend. My sister and her husband have been married for four years and were struggling to have a baby. My parents, especially my mom, were bored and looking for a new project. A child. I honestly believed that having a baby would make my mom love me more and encourage her to accept my boyfriend too. My boyfriend was on board with my idea and was happy to be a part of my huge plan to make my parents accept him. He already scored an internship with a huge company and he planned to intern for two years before going to college. My parents will be happy to help out too. My mom always wanted another child. Well, I got pregnant, and my parents were disappointed. They were so mad at me that my dad asked me to leave their home. If you're an adult who can go on to have a baby by yourself, then you should live on your own, he said. My mom and sister tried to talk to him, but my dad was insistent. I moved out of my parents and moved in with my boyfriend since he had a large room in his parents' home. I never enjoyed my stay at my boyfriend's. His mom kept trying to convince me to have an abortion, and while I wasn't as religious as my parents, I'd had problems with that and was unwilling to do it. When she saw that that wasn't working, she tried to get her son to convince me to do so. When I vehemently refused, she started to make disparaging remarks about me and the baby. She was convinced that being a father would ruin her only son's life. I got tired of dealing with my boyfriend and his mom and reached out to my parents to see if they'd take me back. They invited me home for a meeting. At this meeting, my parents revealed that they wanted me to give my sister my child. The plan was for me to go away for a while, so no one would get to know that I was pregnant. I'd then return after I'd had my baby and let my sister adopt my child. I don't want to give up my child for adoption, I cried. Honey, you won't be giving him up. The child will still be in our family, but your sister and her husband will be his legal parents. I left my parents' home and never went back. I was going to leave town, but it was all I knew. It was also a cheaper place to live and raise a child, so I decided to stay. I got a tiny apartment and a job as a paralegal and started my journey into adulthood. My boyfriend sent money regularly for his child's care, but he wanted nothing to do with our son. I vowed to never pester him about being present, but to try my best to be the best parent I could be to my son. All was going well until my boss announced her voluntary retirement. Her football star son was retiring her and none of the other attorneys were looking to employ a secretary. My boss promised to talk to her friends to see if they needed someone, 
but they all didn't. That evening, I let my 7-year-old son go to a sleepover with one of his classmates and went to a bar to drink. My son had been given a scholarship to study in the only private school in town, but while I didn't have to pay tuition, I had to cover the cost of uniforms and other fees. I needed my job. That night at the bar, I met someone and told him all that was going on. He gave me his card and asked me to call him the next day. The next day, I picked the card up out of my purse and looked at it. It was the office of the mayor. I wasn't sure if I met the mayor the night before, but I called the number on the card and it was indeed him. He offered me a job and I hurried there to start. At the time, the elections were drawing closer. People were already making allegations about the mayor being sexist and it was negatively affecting his campaign. My team thinks I have a better chance of winning in the next elections if I employ more women. I agreed with him. I genuinely believe that he was a good man, especially since he gave me a job when he could have hired anyone else. He asked about my life. I told him my story, about my ex and my only boyfriend, my son and all of that. I also told him about why I cut my parents off and he seemed sympathetic. His son attended the same school as my son, so he offered to invite my son to the parties and playdates his wife organized for their son and his friends so that my son could fit in well. I was happy about that because I had started to worry about my son not having any friends in his class. As the mayor promised, he encouraged his son and his son's friends to be friends with mine. My son adjusting well in his social and academic life helped me relax and took a lot of pressure off my shoulders. I started thinking about going to college and getting a degree and maybe dating again. It was all good until my boss, the mayor, touched me inappropriately at work one evening. I didn't see that coming because he'd always had good things to say about his wife. I didn't understand why he'd want to cheat on her. I stopped him and shut him out. I even gave him a brief talk on how disappointed I was in him. The next day, he called me into his office and told me that he had to uninvite my son to his son's birthday party that was coming up in a week. I could not believe my ears. Could someone be that petty? Well, it turned out that not only did the mayor uninvite my son, but he also warned his son to stay away from my son and even made something up. He lied about my son having lice in his hair and warned that his son may get lice too if he keeps being friends with my son. My son was devastated. It was bad enough that he wouldn't be allowed to attend a party he'd looked forward to. He also had the entire class hiding from him because they told everyone that he had lice in his hair. It was a difficult period for me because I had no one to talk to. I was all alone and there wasn't anyone I knew who could save me from someone as powerful and rich as the mayor. It got so bad that my son came home one day and requested a haircut. He wanted to cut all his hair so his classmates would finally see and accept for themselves that he didn't have lice. I refused to let him cut it, but when he returned from school one day with a bald head, I knew I had to do something. I wasn't ready to deny my son the good education we had both worked hard to get him. So I knew the best way to stop my son from getting bullied by his peers was to undo what had been done from the source. One thing about my boss was that he grossly underestimated me and that was his biggest undoing. Even after what he did to my son, he didn't fire me. He kept trusting me with important documents, believing that I could never mess with him. Boy, was he wrong. I opened an anonymous email account and sent a message to his opponent telling him that I had information on the mayor. He was skeptical about me, 
so he said he was only going to take my message seriously if I sent him a message using my actual email address. I risked it and sent him an email using my address, and I told him about what the mayor had done. He invited me to come and speak with the people he trusted the most, and they were all surprised that the mayor was that kind of person. One of them told me flatly that I was lying and that it was a trap. After excusing themselves numerous times to talk, they handed me a recorder and asked me to get him to admit doing all that I told them that he did. The day I recorded him, I snuck into the bathroom, tucked the recorder in between my cleavage, and went into his office. I apologized for refusing his advances and begged him to tell his son that my son didn't have lice in his hair. At first, he said he didn't know what I was talking about. Then he started to touch my waist and tell me that it would do me a whole world of good if I just let him into my life. He made other vulgar comments and then he was invited for a meeting. As we both walked out of his office, he said, By the way, I'll let my son know that your son's lice is gone. He winked, clicked his tongue, and walked away. That was all we needed to run him into the ground. I gave the opposition the recording and they made a huge deal out of it. That and many other allegations made the people lose faith in the mayor. He lost the elections and left town with his family. My son stopped having problems in school with his son gone, but the new mayor didn't want me on his team for obvious reasons. I was, however, offered a new job by one of the lawyer friends of my former lawyer boss. I completely understand that OP was at a low point when they got that job offer, but it certainly should have been a huge red flag that you go and you find the mayor in a bar and he turns around without ever actually screening you and just offers you a job right up in the next day. I mean, I guess their excuse sounded reasonable enough. Him saying, oh, well, I needed to hire more women, but it definitely was just screaming of a power play the whole time. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.